there is a word from the Lord. Um, I have been shaking about this message ever since Pastor Ray said, uh, you have November 1st. And I said, okay, that's right near November 3rd. So let's try to switch. Uh, but, but this is the word that God has given to us. Luke chapter 7. Uh, Luke chapter 7. And we're going to start here at verse uh, 19. Luke chapter 7, starting here at verse 19. And if you have it, if you can shout amen. Okay, if you're not there, just say, wait on me. Okay, we're going to go ahead right on in. Luke, Luke 7, starting here at verse, actually 18, verse 18. And it reads as thus, Then disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And at the very hour, he cured many infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and, the, and to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Let's go back up to verse 19, and it reads, And John, calling two of his disciples to him, said, Sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? I want to tag this, this text with this particular subject, He is the one. Everyone shout, He is the one. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Everyone shout, he is the one. He is the one. Awesome, awesome. So as we look at our world today, we can observe that many people are desiring, proclaiming, and wanting to be number one. Number one in their class, number one in their occupation, number one in their social ranking, number one in getting a test done, number one in sports, and number one in an election. Oh, don't, don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Everybody wants to be number one, especially this week. As I reminisce, as when I was young, much younger, I, I played every single sport there is. I played basketball. I played football. Got hit, and that was it. I, did, I played different sports, and, and I was always number one in uh, sports. Whenever I played sports, I was always number one. It wasn't because of my athletic performance. It was because I, my name is Carter, so I was C, so I was at number one on the top of the roster. So I was always, I was always number one. So, so, so but as, as we understand here, we have a few days left until this U.S. presidential election. And the American Psychologist Association says that more than two-thirds of U.S. adults, 68% says, this presidential election is a significant source of stress in their life, unquote. Many people are worrying, stressing, because they don't know if their presidential candidate is going to be the one or not. If their presidential candidate is the one, many believe that all will be well. And if not, we stress because the candidate we thought wasn't the one is now in control. As I study num the number one, I come to understand that there are three primary facts about the number one. There are three primary facts about the number one. The number one is not made above any other number. It's independent of all other numbers, and it is the source of all other numbers. 
That the number one is not made above any of the numbers. If you subtract one by itself, you will get zero. You cannot add zero plus zero and get one. After there is zero, then there's the number one. The number one does not exist because of another number. John declares, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the one. Therefore, not only is the number one not made above any of the numbers, the number one is independent of all other numbers. Uh, because we understand if you multiply one by itself, you will get one. If, if you try to divide one by itself, you will get one. And the first commandment declares in Exodus 20, he says, Thou shalt have no other before me. There is no other like the number one because the number one stands all by itself. So, so not only is the number one not made above any other numbers and is independent of all other numbers, the number one is the source for all other numbers, which means you cannot have 200 without having the one. You cannot have 2 million without having the one. Can I tell you something, my brothers and sisters? The number one is the source for all other numbers. I believe people in this world have gotten to the place where they think they can make it without the one. They think they can exist without the one. But can I tell you, my brothers and sisters, is that the one stands all by itself. Can I tell you something, my brothers and sisters, God bless President Trump and God bless Vice President Biden, but my hope, my trust, and my confidence is not in them because they are not the one. My hope, my trust, and my confidence is in the one, and that's Jesus Christ. I, I, I hear the hymnologist, the hymnologist says these words, in Christ alone my hope is found. He's my light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What height of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving see, he's my comfort, my all in all. Can someone just shout, he's the one. Jesus, Jesus is the one. He's not made above any other. Jesus is independent and stands alone. And Jesus is the one who is the source of all others. He is the number one. With that understanding, it brings us to the scene of our text. Jesus has been traveling and he's been preaching and he's been healing the sick. And the disciples of John the Baptist, having been following Jesus, is now reporting to John the Baptist all the things that Jesus has been doing. Currently, during the scene of our text, the John the Baptist is in jail. He is in jail because he spoke truth with power and stood up to Herod for his wrongdoing. John the Baptist is unable to witness all the things that his disciples are telling him. So he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask this very interesting question. Are you the one or should we look for another? I grapple with this question because John the Baptist should know who Jesus is. Out of anybody in the Bible, John the Baptist should know who Jesus is. But he asks this question, are you the one or should we look for another? This question, are you the one or should we look for another, aims at two points. Number one, number one, it points to the identity of the one. Everybody shout the identity of the one. Uh, John is asking this question, is Jesus the one? He, he is aiming at the identity of Jesus. And John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, had two encounters with Jesus in the Bible. And, and in these two encounters, John the Baptist demonstrates to us that he knew that Jesus was the one. 
In Luke 1, Mary is being pregnant with Jesus, approaches Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist. And the text shows us that when Mary greets Elizabeth, the Bible says that John the Baptist leaps in her womb and she's filled with the Holy Spirit. The second counter John the Baptist has in recognizing the identity of Jesus is when he's preaching and baptizing people in the wilderness. Well, while John is preaching and baptizing, Jesus comes and asks to be baptized. John, recognizing who Jesus is, says, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. John baptizes Jesus, and you know what the Bible says. The Bible says the heavens opened up, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. In both scenes, John the Baptist recognizes the identity of Jesus in the womb and in the wilderness. That can preach all by itself. He, in the womb and in the wilderness, John communicates that he understood that Jesus is the one. Now, after all of that, after all of that, now John the Baptist is in jail and he is questioning the fact if Jesus is the one. John recognizes Jesus while in the womb, And the womb paints us the picture of a season of new. It is in this place that he recognizes Jesus. The next time he recognizes Jesus is in the wilderness. A wilderness is a valley season. But it's in that place as well that he recognizes Jesus. So what are you saying, Pastor Rodney? So in a season of new and in a wilderness season, John is able to recognize that Jesus is the one. Now that John the Baptist is quarantined, I mean, excuse me, in jail, and, 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 and he's isolated, he's now questioning the identity of the very one that he said is the Lamb of God. My, my question for John is, why in the world have you changed your mind? What is different? You were in the womb and you recognize him. You were in the wilderness and you recognize him. But now you're in jail and you don't recognize him. Well, you must understand when he was in the womb and in the wilderness, he was in Jesus' presence. And now that John the Baptist is in jail alone, he's now grappling with the thought, is Jesus really the one? Have you ever been in a season when you experienced the presence of God and you knew that he was the one? Have you ever been in a need season and God met your need, you knew he was the one? But my brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but even some of you who may be watching us online and some of you in here, even when we were stuck at home alone in quarantine and assessing the state of our nation and this uh, this pandemic, have you ever asked this question, is Jesus the one or should we look for another? Looking at this world today, it is easy for us to ask that question. I, I, I know some of you have been saved for decades, but, but here's John the Baptist who was in the physical presence of Jesus, who's asking this question, are you the one or should we look for another? Can I submit to you today, my brothers and sisters, that isolation can sometimes be the birthing ground for fear. Why? Because isolation can sometimes cause us to be powerless and question what is true. Isolation can sometimes bring fear, but fear can also result in blindness. Blindness is something that can cause us to not see the totality of the identity of Jesus. When we fear and are blinded, fear can cause us to want to take control. What do you mean by that, Pastor? We we, we begin to rely on other things for our source rather than God. 
And when we begin to play the role of God, we feel we don't, he doesn't match up with our expectations. Max Lucado says this, Max Lucado says this. He says, blessed is the man who discovers that there's only one God and stops applying for the position. Let me say that one more time. He said, blessed is the man who discovers that there's only one God and stops applying for the position. John the Baptist asks, are you the one or shall we look for another? It, it amazes me that John the Baptist had his disciples to ask this question and Jesus didn't respond. His disciples asked, are you the one or shall we look for another? Jesus could have said, I am the one I am the Lamb of God. I am the, 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 the wonder. I am, I am He. I am the Lamb of God. Shouldn't you know who I am? Instead of Jesus responding, he started displaying. You see in the text, it says, At that very hour, he cured many infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to, and to many blind, he gave sight. Jesus answered to them and said, go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Can I tell you something, my brothers and sisters, that John the Baptist asked this question, are you the one or should we look for another? Not only aims the identity of the one, but it also aims at the authority of the one. Everyone shout the authority of the one. Uh, Jesus here is teaching us that his authority reveals his identity. Let me say that one more time. His authority reveals his identity. John the Baptist asked, are you the one or should we look for another? Some of your translations would say, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we look for someone else? John the Baptist is introducing Jesus in the wilderness as the one and he said that he will be the one that will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. That's what he introduced Jesus with. But here John is asking this question and shows us that he could have been misunderstanding the ministry of the Messiah. Perhaps he would have thought that Jesus was really the Messiah and that he would work with the political deliverance of Israel or at least save him from prison. John was expecting the kingdom of God to come, and yet he was in prison, and there was no kingdom. You know, no, I've always wanted to visit London, England, and since I was a kid, I've always followed the royal family. But one thing I've learned about the queen is that the queen doesn't have power. She only has a title. Everybody recognizes her. They pay homage to her. But the reality is she has no power to pass any laws or make any decisions. My question to you today is, have many of us treated our relationship with Jesus as though he was the queen of England, a God with a title but no power? John asks, are you the one or should we look for another? I I believe we've gotten to a place in our nation where many Christians, I'm not talking about here at Grace Church, I'm saying many Christians are displaying more about their faith in the government than in God. Are we asking this question, is God able to address the sin of our nation, this pandemic, or et cetera, or should we look for another? I believe many Christians today believe that their personal presidential candidate is more able than God. But my brothers and sisters, I've gotten to a place in my life where I'm not boasting about my presidential candidate because at the end of the day, we and the presidential candidates are flawed, sinful, and in need of Jesus Christ. 
I, 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 believe, I believe in voting and I did my due diligence, but, but you won't catch me talking more about these presidential candidates more than my God. Because my Bible tells me in Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with men, things are hopeless, but with God, all things are possible. Daniel, Daniel 2 says, bless be the name of our God forever and ever, for wisdom and power belongs to him. He changed the time to season. He removes kings and established them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. What that means is whoever is present after this week, God placed them there. But whoever is in office, Jesus is still the one, and I stand on that promise. You know, you know I, I, I had the privilege of going to the White House not too, not too long ago. And uh, when I went to the White House, I had a wonderful tour. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, but when I went to the White House, I saw the Oval Office. I saw everything on that first floor. But there was one thing I did not find. I was searching all over that Oval Office. But there was one thing I did not find. And I did not find a throne. And I got so excited. My friend said, why are you so excited as you're leaving the White House? I said, because my king does not live in the White House. My king lives above and he looks low and he leads me, guides me, and directs me. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because in Psalms 20, he says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but I will trust in the name of the Lord. Now, you must remember that, that Christ's authority reveals his identity. In studying Christology, which is the study of Christ, I learned in seminary of something called the hypostatic union. The hypostatic union communicates to us that Jesus is two complete natures, fully man and fully divine. He has two natures and divine in one person, the God-man. He's not two persons. He's one person. And it shows me that he has all power. Yes, he's a man, but he's still also God. Yes, he's able to understand, but he's also God who's all-knowing. What are you saying, Pastor Rodney? He's so man that he could party at a wedding, but he's so God and so powerful that he could turn water into wine. He, he's so man that he could cry at Lazarus' death, but he's so God and so powerful that he can look at the tombstone and say, Lazarus, come forth. He's so man that he could teach and get tired all day but he's so God and so powerful that he could turn two fish and turn it into five loaves of bread and feed so many people he's so man that he could be touched by people but he's so God that a woman can touch the hem of his garment and be made whole he, he's so man that, that, that he could sleep on a boat but he's so God that he could stand up on the boat and look at the storm and say peace be sealed he's so man that he could die on a cross but he's so God and so powerful that on the third day he got up with all power in his hands I come, I come to tell you today that he is the one he is the one you've heard of green power you heard of red power, you heard of white power, you heard of black power, you heard of Republican power, you heard of Democratic power, atomic power, nuclear power, wind power, steam power, horse power, man power, angelic power, demonic power. But even though there's all those powers, there is a power that has all power and he's the one and his name is Jesus Christ. And so as, as we come to this election, as we come to this season in our world, I want to encourage you with this understanding that the Bible says, Now unto him who's able to keep you from falling 
and present you faultless before his presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and what? Power, both now and forever. My brothers and sisters, I come to tell you that you don't have to look anymore. Jesus Christ is the one and is still the one and will be forever the one. Let's give God praise for his word. Someone here today, someone here today, if everyone close your eyes, there may be someone here today who does not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. Let me tell you something, that he is the one. He's able to turn your life upside down. When you're not able to do things on your own, he says, I am the God who's able to be with you. He says, I'm able to take those things. He says, I'm able to take those things and make it new. He says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things that become new. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, all you have to do is simply ask him into your life and believe that he's the son of God and you will be saved. If everyone can pray this prayer, and for those of you who don't know him and you want to accept Christ into your life, you can pray this prayer. Let's pray it all together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today in need of Jesus. I recognize my sin and I recognize that Jesus Christ died for me and rose again. Today I believe I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. Can we give God praise in this house? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you all so much for worshiping with us. Thank you so much for standing in the gap in the midst of this pandemic, and we're grateful for each and every one of you. For those of you who are in here, this is your very first time. We would love to meet you. Please meet more of our family here at Grace Church. Don't rush out, but meet others. But please make sure you wear your mask if you have them, or please social distance as you leave. Uh, we hope to see you next week, and uh, God bless you. Yeah, enjoy the rest of your day.